Episode 7 of What's the Chakra? My name is Karan Madhok and I'm the editor and co-founder of The Chakra. Thechakra.com is an Indian arts review, a celebration of India's artistic creativity where we publish writing on Indian music, film, literature, theater, art, sports and so much more. We also publish creative work like poetry, fiction, photography, original art, etc. In this episode, I will interview a number of guests on recent trends in music, literature and film and TV from India and abroad. In conversation today with Shasta Vaishnav, Anurag Tagat, and Pratik Santram, we will discuss books by Namit Arora and Soketu Mehta. Listen to a metal and Carnatic classical fusion track by the band Project Mishram, and talk about the irrelevant new Indian sci-fi comedy series OK Computer. So strap in and let's go around the chakra. Welcome back, Shasta Vaishnav, to the chakra. How are you doing, Shasta? Thank you. I'm doing really well, uh, given the circumstances. However, well we can do at the moment. How are you? I'm fine. And again, we have to add, given the circumstances, because even fine is such. Borrowing a word you recently used of pre-recording, fine is such a nebulous thing to say right now. It's we're, yes. we're fine in in relation to a lot of lot of drama happening uh, outside. Um, but what what I want to do is sort of. distract ourselves distract our listeners just pretend things are just for these next 15 to 20 minutes things are different and i'm going to dive back into something both you and i love books let's dive back into books um yes i want to yeah. talk about so so the book i'm reading um is uh, I, so uh, uh, before i start i think both of us picked non fiction books about india recent to yes uh from recent to pretty much archaic indian history the book i'm reading is mm-hmm. um indians a brief history of civilization it's by oh wow it's by okay. namit arora um right. it's uh it's a excellent excellent history of you know um really mythological india not mythological sorry let me correct myself ancient india uh there's mm-hmm. some mythology involved but if you like indian history i would really recommend this book it was published just a few months ago um oh. it's sort of a travel log mixed with historical research and a lot of myth busting you know uh, i'll get to that later but namit arora the author he's someone who's based in the us now but he returned to india numerous times took numerous trips to do research that eventually made up the text of this book um i've read quite a bit of indian history books it's, it's a subject that really fascinates me um including i would say the most definite one is probably by john kee kee i guess that's how you pronounce his name I'm not sure um okay there've been a lot of others you know about the mogal age india during the raj post independence stuff like that but yeah. arora in this book he goes way back his concern is the earliest civilizations of india uh now a year ago another similar book like i would say sister book to this was released called early indians by tony joseph um you may okay. have heard about it and that takes yeah. a little it's similar but but i think that book is concerned more with um like the, the lifestyle slash uh the, the racial makeup of the earliest indians you know and it fights this whole idea of like the 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 aryan theory that the, that these aryan settlements were indian in the first place and um it, i mean i don't want to get in that book right now but uh for arora it's similar to that but his concern is more about you know the earliest civilizations as a whole that were established on indian soil so we are talking about dhola veera in gujarat which was uh, which is the ruins of the indus valley civilization like we begin with that this is 2600 bc you know uh, wow. we're talking about uh, nagarjuna konda in Tel- in telangana which uh, was home to a lot of major buddhist civilizations uh, thousands right. of years old we're talking about the nalanda monastery in bihar which was probably the first mass scale university of its type in the whole world mm. uh mm. we go to khajurao and the mysteries like he he tackles the mysteries of the erotic temple art over there and then we finish with my hometown we finish with varanasi which is uh, one of the world's continuously oldest living cities and you know a civilization which is still continuing right um right 
so what Aurora does in this book, he, he takes both archaeological sources as well as a lot of important texts from foreign travelers who, and conquerors who came to India. And we are talking about, this is like a three, 4,000 year period. So, uh, you know, we're talking about uh, uh, Megasthenes from Greece, the Chinese travelers of Fashian, Xuanzang, Marco Polo, like all of these guys who came to India wrote some stuff. And I mean, Aurora did crazy research. Like he read so many of these texts and to like condense all of that um, in a form of travelogue. So he's like, okay, I went to Gujarat. I spoke to the guides. I saw the ruins, but now I'm going to tell you what so-and-so foreign traveler thought about the same place too. So like the reports have so many like interesting, colorful stories. You know, you have everything from how um, the Harappan civilization, how they manage water. How, uh, they did a way better job than we do of managing water. Uh, you get a glimpse of um, the earliest workings, unfortunately, of the caste system and how it was like already being deployed. Um, you, you see how these foreign travelers like often fail to fully understand the culture, how often they exoticize it. So like the Chinese travelers would, they would believe any story. Like if someone in India told them, oh yeah, in the other village, there's this guy with three legs and he can charm snakes to like ride on him. They would just like, I think for the, for the travelers, they also wanted to exoticize India. So, uh, so you get all of that stuff. You get about the Indian customs and trade. Um, uh, you get these cultures where it's like, wow, they were so modern back in the day. Like there's some cultures where like they, they were really progressive in terms of like social equality, male and female equality. And I'm like, we really regressed <laughs> over thousands of years. Yeah. But yeah. in some cases, things were really bad also. In some cases, the caste system is there. They're doing pact early practices of sati. So it's it's a mix. Um, I would say the one of the most interesting chapters uh, is actually the chapter where he does research on the erotic art in Khajurao in the temples. Have you been right. have you been to Khajurao? Have you been to any of these? I, I haven't been to Khajurao, but I've been to many temples that have similar, uh, you know, carvings and similar kind of history in that sense, and uh, especially in Nepal as well. I mean, mm. in Kathmandu. There are a lot of these squares that, uh, you know, have these Khajurao-esque carvings. And, yeah. uh, you know, I get it. Like, of course, the, we have regressed, like you're saying, because there was a time when everything go, everything went, yeah. right? According yeah. to, at least when it came to sex, everything was fine. So, And it's, yeah. I, I mean, his, uh, from his research, what, what, he, what he concludes is that it's a bit of both. There were parts of, in, you know, we are talking about civilizations that are thousands of years old, you know, so, and kingdoms have come and fallen. So there were some kingdoms that were really progressive and some were really regressive. It was back and forth, right? So there's no one truth. Um, the part about Khajurao is very interesting because he really tackles this question. Like no one really knows why um, the Chandelas, like why they had, why they commissioned these frankly really graphic and kind of sometimes often disturbing uh, sexual acts on temples. And um what was it about that time and their thinking that made them do this, you know? Um, the, like, I, I've been to Khajurao and he talks about how the guides, they just make stuff up. The guides, they're, mm -hmm. they're not really, they're, they're passing on, like, falsities to sort of, like, forward their agenda. Um, but Aurora actually does a lot of academic research in into, like, you know, basically he, like, myth busts what the foreigners think, you know, tantric sex and, and like, Kama Sutra and how it is related to Khajurao, how it's not related um, it just, it, it's, it's a very balanced thing. So overall, I would say like very informative read. Um, more than yeah, any, it sounds... <laughs> more, more than anything, Shasta, it made me want to travel again. <laughs> like I was just like, uh, in these, in these days of COVID, um, it made me, I, I have traveled around quite a bit of India myself, you know, done Bharat Darshans and all, but I'm talking about back in the day. Um, uh, but this made me yeah. curious to go to old ruins like see these stone age type parts of india you know uh especially dholavira which is the first site um one of india's oldest civilizations uh, right. I, I i just want to go and learn and see these places which i think even as indians they're not promoted as they should be you know uh, for us to go and explore these ruins of our own basically our own ancestors yeah, I was just thinking that as you said this, I said I would love to read this and then travel around India with that context in mind, you know, when you have all that history and that knowledge, mm -hmm. everything just becomes different, you know, when you visit a place, because I have been to some old temples like uh, Adalaj, I think it's in uh, in Gujarat, uh, the mm -hmm. Adalaj Stepwell, 
yeah. uh, and it's beautiful like it's absolutely beautiful the carvings the everything about it right and i would have loved to have some context like in terms of uh not just what the guides and all are telling you or what google tells you but this kind of research this yeah. kind of history so this is a good book to sort of read and read and then travel you know so yeah um, and so so even though he does i, I think uh, the one flaw i would add is that he, he he's a bit too strict about his travel agenda like he's like i'm going to go to these six or seven places and and i will see india through the lens of these six or seven places so so there were two issues with that because it sort of ignores the non urban centers because you know dholavira we're talking about pretty much in that time one of the biggest urban settlements in the world really you know but what was life like for people who weren't in those cities and i know it's basically impossible to get that information because they, they didn't really leave the, the the same way the ruins and the art that people in the cities did but i don't know i, I would like i would have liked that to be discussed um and moving further i would love to read a book that's also tackles india pre humans you know like i want to know what was india like um, during the the dinosaurs age like because i know yeah. when you mentioned gujarat i think uh, th- there's a lot of uh, dinosaur remains that were found in gujarat too wow so okay. i would love to l- learn about that end too it's it's just is this the kind of knowledge that we history classes don't really teach us if you if you go through the indian education system yeah they- yeah they teach us so little like for example when you started speaking about the book i could only think of mohenjodaro and harappa but yeah. there's no other there's no mention of any other civilization like it's, it's quite uh, you know insulated in it's sense. insulated and it's um, it's often told to an agenda of seeing india as i mean uh, what what both this book and tony joseph have fought against is i think it, it's it's against the agenda of the vedic india i think a lot of indian mm-hmm. history wants us to believe that india was always a a, a country of, of brahmanism or vedism mm-hmm. whereas it really wasn't these earliest um, civilizations had their own like pagan religions um and i think one of the biggest proofs was that in all indian scriptures there's a lot of mention of horses but there were no horses in india um like on indian soil the horses actually came from the invaders um, so, yeah so yeah. it's part of the proof that that um even even the vedic hinduism which we sort of celebrate as being india's in 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 indigenous religion is actually mm. important you know so there's stuff like that there's, there's interesting stuff about how buddhism was really dominant and then like it was basically the main religion a thousand years ago mm. after ashoka and then it sort mm-hmm. of um i mean for various reasons it, it it died down and had to be rediscovered so um yeah i mean anyone who is a, a geek into history like that uh, i would recommend this yeah i i i studied history in college and i think the most interesting part about history is who writes it right it's that yes. person's perspective mm-hmm. it's it's brushed with that kind of uh, you know uh, in not not exactly prejudice but obviously it's going to be from that person's like brahmanical perspective or you know outsider perspective so that's 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 nice i'd like to read many versions of it yeah you know sure, so. for sure now shasta you read much more recent history we are now we are zooming fast forward on a time machine we are like in the 90s are we with your book where are yes. we in the 90s uh, i would say ranging from the mid early to mid 90s to the early to mid to to 90s rather 2000s, 2000s yeah yeah 90s yeah. sounds wrong yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh So I actually bought Maximum City by Suketu Mehta in 2004 or 5 when it uh, 2004 I think when it just came out it was a I remember there was a big uh, you know sort of uh, hoo ha about the book being a, a amazing and everything that is the time I bought it and it's just been lying in my bookshelf for the last like 16 years that that mm-hmm. that should that, that proves how we are like as readers also there's so many books that are unread mm-hmm. in our bookshelf so I I actually had this impression that it was a non-fiction uh, it was a fiction book rather mm. like a bit like a Vikram Seth uh, ki- kind of you know that kind of epic story like a Shantaram about Mumbai yes. yeah yeah I was always under the impression that it was fiction so I was pleasantly surprised when I picked it up and found that it was a first person narrative mm. and it is so I I'm really surprised as to how Suketu Mehta of course he's Indian of course he he was born uh, grew up in Dubai I mean in Mumbai etc uh but he literally lived here only for two and a half years 
when he was oh. writing the book and in two and a half years he has an insider's view about mumbai like i who have lived here for 37 years of my life i mean barring the few years i was abroad um i have this kind of you know knowledge about the city but after mm. a lifetime here he mm. has that knowledge in just two and a half years mm. so he basically covers all aspects of mumbai karan if you if you're ever curious about the city and its underbelly and what it shows about versus what it is this is the book to read mm-hmm. because he 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 goes into the underworld in great detail because of course that is part of the city and he goes he literally interviews your chota shakil and your you know in in a very all your shooters your sharp shooters people who actually kill people who are really involved in everything and he he interviews them at close proximity he becomes mm-hmm. their friend Mm. he goes to their house he eats meals with them he he you know he becomes like a, a part of the inner circle so he's really privy to the workings of these structures and then he mm. befriends rakesh maharya who of course mm. he's changed his name to ajay lal because it's risky right mm. and he becomes like rakesh maharya's really good friend and he's in the in the cells when these uh, you know uh, interrogations are taking place and there's so much that he writes about which is insider information you know so mm-hmm. that's great. and then he moves on to the bar dancers of mumbai and he talks about this very famous bar in grand road called topaz which he he obviously renames sapphire and he talks about this bar dancer who's a man but who dresses up as a woman and she's very famous she's called uh, sweetie in real life but he names her honey in the book and it's very interesting because see whatever it is this is all in our lifetime we may have been much younger but we've also grown up with these structures around us these people around us not knowing what's actually happening like there wasn't really interesting thing that he wrote about haji ali juice center which we passed so often and we went to so often and you know it was a it, it's a thing like especially when we were in college and the hajiali juice center owners or somebody associated someone big associated with them was actually a heroin dealer and he was like dealing with yeah he was a heroin dealer for the longest time it's like what like i used to go there after college to have like you know strawberries and cream or something like it that's is. why that's why the juice is so amazing that's the <laughs> Yeah that's true that's true but like literally it's like you we this is our city like we're living every bit of it but to know this what to know this insider because whatever it is we're we're fairly like you know uh, closeted from all of this and i vita so to speak so to know what's going on was phenomenal so very interesting i couldn't put the book down it's 600 pages but i was so mesmerized and also his writing style is very very engaging it's beautifully written okay not for a minute does it get tedious or boring of course he does go uh, uh, his chapters are very long about you know each person and he goes into great depth but it's just it's interesting and then he goes into this life of a bar dancer who he it looks like he's very attached to her it's a very beautiful girl called mona lisa he's called her mona lisa in the book and uh, you know <clears throat> how of course we 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 say all these things like yeah bar dancers are uh, you know uh, fairly they're living this very lonely life because when they fall in love with someone they can't do anything about it and all but he really really goes into that then he moves on to bollywood so he befriends vidhuvino chopra vidhuvino chopra becomes one of his besties and because of that he starts working on mission kashmir so via mission kashmir because uh, the roles that sanjay dat and rithik roshan play in mission kashmir were initially meant to be played by amitabh bachchan and shahrukh khan both of them walked out of it yeah so he meets the entire film industry via vidhuvino chopra and he gets into details about bollywood and he gets into details about sanjay dat and his life in jail and all of that as a criminal so it it's sort of just every aspect and he does talk a lot about south bombay and that glitz and glam also because he belongs to that part of bombay he's a i think a gujarati or maybe a jain who lives in uh, one of those fancy darya mahal type of buildings in town and finally he wraps with uh, and he talks about every aspect there are essays on the mumbai monsoon there are essays on the mumbai trains so he's traveled in really crowded trains and like you know fallen out almost and all of that so he's covered all that and he ends with something very interesting which i didn't know about at all which is the jain community the palanpuri jain community or rather just the jain community where they take there are some families that take diksha 
okay which is very uh, very intense because they literally throw away all their wealth like throw away like this to the hands of people waiting in a procession and they just like uh, uh and then they sort of move to uh, i mean they move to a monastery or they become monks where they they can't have a bath ever again because they would be killing the bacteria on their body they can't brush their teeth ever again because they'd be killing bacteria in their mouth and they're just in white they're clad in white and they have to walk and they have to get food from other people obviously jain houses and just get whatever they i mean eat whatever they get and that's their life and these are fancy south mumbai people who have been until then living the mumbai life like you know their cars and their schools and their etc etc and then they suddenly just leave everything and change their lives and these people are not old like this family he speaks about uh they were of, uh, the parents were in their late uh, early 50s maybe and their kids were 17 18 like mumbai teenagers and each hair has to be pulled out when they become a monk and you know very very lot of hardships and more more most importantly they could never see each other again so for them the way that the way family whatever what that was completely broke up the father can never see his daughter again the mother can never see her sons again so it's really it was very strange and he again goes very in depth into that he goes to see them at the monastery he sees them before they before they give away their wealth and everything so it was very interesting and with that he kind of covers the rich the poor the 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 criminals the policemen the stars i felt like he covered almost every aspect of mumbai i mean barring the slum dwellers he does get into a footpath dweller who is quite interesting one of the bihari migrants who comes who who comes to mumbai and then lives on the footpath that was fairly interesting especially because this particular guy happened to be a poet so he was a hindi poet and he had all these like stars in his eyes but he lived on the footpath you know so and then his father comes from bihar to bring him home because in bihar they are doing okay you know all these migrants they have decent homes in you know in the villages but they want to come and live on the road here so it's like the allure of mumbai in that sense you know and uh, obviously beautifully written essays in every every para is well written i was very impressed with this book so um of course when i put it up for uh, when i put up my review on certain book club groups or book groups on facebook and all most people have agreed with me but there have been some criticisms and the most frequent criticism i've seen is that suketu only concentrates on the dark side of mumbai obviously there are so many better fun things happening in mumbai so many the, the mumbai we grew up in like my mumbai would not have any of this right my mumbai would have the the safety for women the amazing discos the the you know, trendy restaurants you know the the friends we make the beach like there would have been a lot more light hearted stuff but then you know a perfect life doesn't make a good story right i mean you can't write about happy 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 then what what's the story in, in that so that's the main criticism of this book i feel that it is dark mm-hmm. it paints a fairly um, you know sordid picture of the city Mm-hmm. but it's very true as well yeah this mm-hmm. is mumbai as well mm-hmm. you know so um yeah i'm i'm i think this book should be read by everyone so <laughs> so so just like you i have also had it on my bookshelf for like 10 years almost and and one day i will get to it but so so i, I i'm not a mumbaiker but i i visited often for friends for work for fun whatever um and absolutely love the city because it is I, I I mean the moniker of maximum city just fits it perfectly because Mumbai is a place where if you can imagine something, it's there, and yes. so I so I can I can't imagine how difficult must it must have been for him to even six hundred pages seems very little to sort of enca- encapsulate the maximumness of this yes. of the city, right? No. Um, yeah, you said you said it because after I finished reading it, I was like, hey, but he didn't write about Dharavi and he didn't write about the beach, and I was like, there's so much. Like, how can you write about everything? The, you the, can't. The, there's so much art, and when you talk about the good side, there's so much art in Mumbai that that could really be, you know, uh, highlighted. But but again, like it's, I, I mean, it sounds like it's he he did a pretty like thorough job of uh, of giving the city the identity it has. So I, I want to ask you because now the, it is a pretty dated book. I think it came out now two thousand four, three, sometime around oh, then. Two thousand four. Yeah, two thousand four. What would you say like if if you had to sort of write like um, you know. 
100-200 more pages of the next 17 years of Mumbai. There's, you know, obviously I would say the 26-11 attacks really changed the face of the city in a way. Uh, we've had like, the, you know, the political clashes, you know, the, the whole like uh, issues with the North Indians and the Marathis, that kind of identity, identity clashes. I mean, we've had the pandemic in Mumbai, you know, um, the, the old gangsters have given way to new new sort of gangsters. There's like, there's new Bollywood blood. Like there's so much, right? Like from your perspective, what would you feel if he, if he not a sequel, but if he added, if he had to add a couple more chapters to this book, what sort of, what, what would be left from Mumbai to cover? You know, it, it's funny. We think that it's changed a lot in the last 20 years. It hasn't. Like when I read the book, there was so much that's still relevant. He talks a lot about the Sena and about the whole Marathi thing and, you know, versus the immigrants thing. He does talk a lot about the Hindu Muslim thing, the BJP, uh, you know, how, what's going on with the NRC and the CEA and all, uh, CAA and all. It's very similar to what was going on in the 90s uh, the or the early 2000s with the whole Gujarat riot thing happened in the early 2000s. And he talks about terrorism as well in the with the train blasts and not with the train blasts, I think with a couple of other blasts. He, he, he This book, the train blasts happened before the book, uh, after the book. But uh, it's it's funny because, of course, he would have really gone into 2611. I think that is the one thing that really changed uh, for, I mean, everything for Mumbai citizens. But most of the other stuff has remained the same. Of course, when I was reading about Ritik Roshan, I was like, oh, God, now look at how much his life has changed. Yeah, like yeah. He, he was meeting his childhood sweetheart and uh, getting engaged to her. And now it's like, you know, not only is he not a big star anymore, he's divorced. So, I mean... In that sense, of course, people's lives have changed. And like, like poor Sanjay Dutt has cancer now. Uh, you know, I mean, and, that, and then you kind of look back to why and it's probably because of the hard life he's led. So, but I would say not that much has changed, actually, unfortunately or fortunately. So it would just be maybe adding on to what he's saying as in terms of now what has happened. But like after Bal Thakre's death, uh, I, I, I mean... Yeah, he's written a lot about Bal Thakre and how he influenced the Sena. So I feel like, um, yeah, maybe certain things about that, but not too much, not too much. If you know, if you read it, you'll know what I mean. It's very relevant still. You know, it may be an old book, but it's it's, it's it was very relevant. So. No, so I definitely want to read it. As for someone who loves visiting Mumbai, like I I enjoy taking the locals. I enjoy eating the street food. Everything about the city, right? Uh, I, I, but I want to read it when I can, I can visit again. Because if I'm sitting in Delhi in my room locked up in COVID reading this book, it's going to annoy the hell out of me. So I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna read it when I'm either about to visit Mumbai or I'm in Mumbai. So that way I'll kind of, you know, satiate my desires to be there. Um, For sure. He's written a whole chapter on the Vada Pao uh, on the Pauvada, the Vada oh, Pao wow, and Batat. Of course. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it it sounds like a like a fun book. I I, I think we we were able to cover a wide variety of in a very a, a, a wide lens Indian history and a very narrow lens yes. Indian history um, yes. with, with our books for this month. Shasta, thank and you for yeah. Sorry, please go on. This was the urban center, and yours was all, all yours were all the ancient villages. The ancient so this centers. was just made up for the urban, uh, you know. Hey, someday, someday future civilizations will turn to Maximum City the way Namit Arora turned to like, you know, these old travel logs. Because I think Maximum City does for Mumbai what these old travel logs did for Nalanda or did for, you know, the, the, the Indus Valley civilization or whatever. I think Mumbai is the, the next big civilization, right? In a way. Yeah, um, totally, totally. You're right. So, um, <laughs> uh, so I mean, uh, thank you again for your time. Thank you for sharing your, your book. And uh, I'll you. see you again in a month. So I'm here with Anurag Tagat. Anurag is a Bangalore-based music journalist who is a senior writer for Rolling Stone India. He also contributes to a bunch of publications, Variety, The Hindu, First Post, India Today, and of course, to us on the Chakkar. So Anurag, uh, how are you doing, man? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Karan. Thanks for uh, inviting me on the show. And uh, always uh, nice to, you know, be a part of the Chakkar in some way or the other. When I first heard about it when it was launching from uh, Addy and stuff, it was just, 
it was just uh, yeah a really nice idea and i think you guys are doing some great work thanks a lot man and like we have wanted you to be part of this podcast also for a while uh so so i'm glad that we we, we are finally able to make it happen so um uh, people who listen to the podcast regularly sort uh-huh. of know the format of of our uh, of, of the music section of how we do things is that we like to pick uh, a song of the month and an indian indie song of the month uh and we like to talk about genre so last month uh, for those who listened we we talked about punk on toast and we talked about indian punk music a little bit so this month anurag would you like to tell us the the band you chose that that, that you want to highlight for for this month's uh, song of the month for us yeah for sure uh, so this this month i thought uh, we talk about project mishram it's a band from bangalore it's uh, like fairly young um, folks you know like i think i think a pretty big band to to start with there is sort of a septet seven people in the band and uh, they are a fusion band for mm-hmm. all intents and purposes but i think if if you look into it further like it's not the typical fusion that uh, i think was sort of uh, even popularized even 5 years ago like these guys are moving between you know like a lot of jazz a lot of metal a lot of uh, progressive rock um, you know a lot of carnatic music basically and even a, even a little bit of hip hop so um they they just released an album um sometime earlier this year and it was called uh, meso uh, and uh, yeah it's it's just uh, it's been one of my favorite records so far this year and uh, i think they put a lot of work into it it's uh it's i don't know like i i like as far as progressive albums goes obviously the the you know lengthy songs and those kind of things but uh again as progressive albums go it's also very rewarding listen at the end of it yeah so what you got started on a bit earlier is something that i'm very curious about you know there is a whole subgenre of 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 fusion fusion classical and x you know so whether it's uh indian classical or or in the case of uh, project mishram is carnatic uh, classical music uh and 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 lot of bands that are trying this out but what makes these guys different is that i think they you know it's not just progressive rock but it's also it seemed to me listening to this song this is the first time i've heard the music it seemed to me listening to the song that even the the classical song had a had its own separate progressive tinge to it so they were sort of progressing it from the carnatic lens and progressing it from the from the metal lens if you know what i mean like you'll probably be able to explain yeah. it better than i do uh, no yeah no i get what what you what you where you're coming from like it it feels like they push the boundaries of carnatic music and they push the boundaries of you know progressive music and i think that's uh, that's really i think um yeah that's that's really intriguing i feel in a way because uh, you know it's it's obviously a lot of people will talk about how you know it's a mix of tradition and modernity you know they use all those kind of terms and um <laughs> at some point obviously it gets cliched right like at yeah. some points it gets cliched that okay you know like you're influenced by dream theater and uh, you know like i guess you grew up learning like classical music or something like that and um you know as i think like i think india india's like prog fusion kind of bands like uh, we we've seen a lot of them do that really well um but at the same time i feel like project mishram does something that's very refreshing on that front like mm-hmm. where they're of course they're just maybe influenced by more modern sort of uh, music on one side and then you know they are sort of uh, thinking about i think carnatic music in a different way for example their vocalist uh, shivraj natraj he is he does a lot of kanakol basically and uh, it's one of his strong points uh, to the extent that you know he he really thrives on it a lot of his videos if you look on his social media is a lot of really crazy kanakol stuff and uh, i think what has happened what i've seen happening online right now is that a lot of prog a lot of jazz uh, fans in in the us like they have suddenly really been taken in by this whole you know what is kanakol you know like wh- how is that guy doing that with his you know just just his voice you know he's he's imitating beats with his voice and it's in all these kind of crazy time signatures which is obviously standard fare for carnatic music but uh, i guess to to the western world it's a little more like complicated so it's creating quite an interesting bridge i feel yeah and so speaking of the bridge it's that's also something that you know i i think about quite a lot and and you know i'm going to get like slightly philosophic here but there's a point to it so stay with me anurag <laughs> uh what i'm saying is you know um, 
often what happens i think about this in indian art a lot you know whether it's indian literature people writing something or whether it's fine arts or whether it's a film make, made in india very often if you are trying to get an international audience you kind of have to like undersell your own own sound and oversell the foreign sound now i'm going from the from the perspective of of writing you know very often what happens is if there's a great indian writer who wants you know who wants to who wants an indian story to be read by people in the states people in the uk or whatever they will sort of use the clichés of india and then uh, sort of you know sanitize it so to say for people abroad where do you stand in in uh, or, or, or i mean or i should ask the way i should ask it is where do you think indian indie fusion bands stand in that right now do you feel bands like project mishram are doing a good job balancing both like in and in the sense telling the indian sound from the indian perspective and not necessarily um simplifying it for a foreign audience yeah yeah i mean i think i think that's there definitely it's there in their music where they're not trying to dumb it down mm-hmm. and i think obviously i think in progressive music it would be very risky to try to dumb anything mm-hmm. down so um i feel like the way they go they are really sort of presenting an authentic sort of uh i don't know like like an authentic blend of of everything that they are influenced by like there's a lot of parts on this album uh not just the song that album also has a lot of like hip hop influences like a lot of them it has a lot of like edm kind of stuff going on and again it's not that they do this to open up you know and get more access or something like that it's because they just like to have fun like I, this is what the bands have, have often told me um and you know there's a lot of other artists uh, i mean even bangalore alone there's another fairly young new project uh, called pineapple express and you know like they they do also a prog fusion basically and um they also just have a lot of fun with it and theirs is a much more accessible sound than project mishram but you know theirs is also like you know just a fun sound uh, where project mishram i think stands is that they're a lot more technical you know like and and they are a lot heavier that's for sure because um uh and you know you were talking about international audiences like they've actually toured the uk already once they played um the tech fest uh and they had sponsors and they you know they got to go there and they played uh so it was quite interesting how that all worked out especially for a young band you mm-hmm. know and this is a young band of seven people with a sound engineer i think it was eight people so you know you think about like uh the economics of of taking like eight yeah. people on like a uk tour it's quite quite back breaking and i think um you know a lot of indie artists don't get to do that like they stop mm. right there they they can't that's a barrier in itself but uh, yeah these guys have gone ahead and done it and i think it's helped them get quite a few more fans around the globe uh, especially in the uk and um yeah man like uh, I, th- i think this album has been the song specifically in fact has a scottish artist by the name of kmac yeah. uh, he is uh, i mean his his real name is kiran uh mclaughlin but uh, yeah like his youtube name is kmac2021 uh, he's a hilarious youtuber who is also you know like very metal so he got on this track and he i think must have met the mishram guys at uk tech fest so he met them there and then you know they clearly formed this connection he he liked what he was hearing and he's here he is on a track just like belting it out just doing a lot of crazy growls and stuff it's uh, really interesting yeah yeah so it it was it, 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 the, the song took a turn but that's what you expect from a progressive rock song right like and what's interesting is that the build up to it um it it it, it does start taking the turn about a two and a half minute mark so like it, the the payoff to the build up is really massive when it finally happens i wanted to mm. ask you have you seen them perform live and and what is this sound like live Yeah, it's funny actually. I think I've seen them perform live only twice so far. Like uh I think the previous time was not uh you know like uh I think a few times I've missed them out. But yeah, like one of the first times I've seen them perform, they were still a very new band. I think they just had like two songs released, you know, two studio uh, released recorded songs released and uh it was really interesting to see them then and to see them more recently. uh so yeah i mean there's just been a band that's really grown in terms of conviction and i think um when a band does a international tour when they do back to back dates or when you know they do that whole grind of 
you know, you go on stage and there's no sound check and you just have to get on and play and which is impossible, right? Like, how do you do that when you're in a seven piece band with like violin and, you know, electronics and all this stuff going on? Like, how do you do that? But they did it. So I think that confidence was really instilled by the time I saw them the second time. And it was, it was really hard hitting for sure. Like compared to the first time where they were just sort of trying a lot of things, uh, you know, like trying all kinds of things. Like um, I think uh, Shivraj, the vocalist, he also does a lot of acapella stuff. So sometimes he'll be imitating instruments, you know, just mm. with his voice and stuff. Uh, I think they just have a lot of fun and they do it with a lot of conviction. I think we have built this up uh, enough. <laughs> I, I, I think it's time to, to actually play the track. So uh, Anurag, uh, thank yeah. you for choosing this song as our song of the month. Uh, once again, the song is by Project Mishram. It's called Kana Kana featuring K-Mac. Um, and, and I mean, uh, according to their, the YouTube page for this, for this track, uh, Kana Kana is their take on the 18th century Karnatic composition, Kanaka Ruchira, Kanakan Ruchira uh, by the composer Thyagraj. So it infuses the flute, violin, veena, and Indian vocals with progressive motifs. I'm just basically copy-pasting what they wrote, actually. Uh, but I think it's a pretty good description. Yeah, I think uh, get ready to have your faces melted off. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Kana kana
So I'm here with associate editor of the Chakkar, Pratik Santram, and we are here to talk about the brand new Disney Hotstar show, OK Computer, which uh, just on the name alone, Pratik, uh, I was a little bit interested because you know uh, it's a it's a homage to Radiohead, it's an homage to Douglas Adams, his entire series, yeah. and and so yeah. is this show. We will get into that in a lot more detail. Uh, OK Computer was released by Disney Hotstar just recently, and uh, it was written by. Pooja Shetty, Neil Pagedar, and Anand Gandhi. And it stars mm-hmm. Vijay Verma, Radhika Apte, uh, a very hilarious Jackie Shroff. It, it's something that has never ever in my opinion been done in Indian screens before I know very recently we did an episode where we talked about sci-fi in India mm-hmm. but this is beyond yeah. sci-fi this is a sci-fi and humor uh, in, yeah. in a way that has never been it never been done before so I, I want to ask you Prati you saw the show a little bit more recently than I did yeah. what have been your sort of uh, first reactions first reflections Uh, well, just to start off, like when I started watching it, I was really, really drawn into it um, because not only did they, uh, not only is it like a sci-fi setting, mm-hmm. um, it's also like um, they've made an entire different world. Like it's a, it's an alternate universe kind of thing, but they've kind of made a whole different world where they don't do they don't go into great pains to explain it mm-hmm. upfront, which which I love because. You know, they, they they basically say this is our world. You know, and this is what's happening in it. Uh, so, which which I really like. And overall, I think it was really well done, especially in the beginning. You're right. There's nothing been like this on screens simply because not just because it's a sci-fi thing. I think the way they set up a world, the kind of thought process that's put into it, uh, and very soon, like I think within the first ten minutes, you can like looking at it, you can start seeing like layers in it. You can start seeing like uh, different sort of different sorts of satire. Uh, in the show, uh, very very early. Um, so yeah, yeah so, I mean, initially I was yeah. Sorry, go ahead. What you said about the that they didn't waste any time in explaining mm-hmm. that that mm-hmm. was a very so basically uh, uh, in the very to first ten fifteen minutes of the show, it starts yeah. off with uh, it, it, it's Goa in twenty thirty one. It's futuristic. Mm-hmm. It's slightly alternative future, and it's a very like visually, it's very quirky and unique. Uh, and a self-driving car has killed a human pedestrian, uh, and mm-hmm. um, and Vijay Verma's character—he's an inspector. He calls it a murder, which is very taboo because machines don't kill humans. They, uh, according to the the laws of robotics, which is by the way another homage to uh, Isaac Asimov and like you know the Iron Asimov. series. So, mm-hmm. uh, so 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 basically, we are in this. His job is now to find the murder or or who is the murder behind. This car that has murdered this person. Who is the? Who, yeah. We don't know who the victim is. We don't know who the person who hacked this car is. Whether it's a machine that's consciously done it, whether it's a human behind the machine. So we are in this territory of mystery, sci-fi. There's a lot of humor. The way the humans <laughs> you know, interact with each other is it's it's quite quirky and funny. And yeah. um, and and so, so that is the first emotion. It's not this. It's not yeah. the backstory. We we're not being explained in great detail. Key. How do we get there? Yahan tak kaise pahunche? We are just there. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's exactly why I said like that's the thing that I liked immediately about it. Like it wasn't like they didn't waste time. They didn't want like it wasn't like a self boast kind of thing. And look, look at this amazing world you made. You know, you go along for the ride, and then you find out more things as you go along. And even and this is not a spoiler, but even at the end of the series, you you're not exactly sure of exactly how, how this world works. Mm. You know, in the details. And I, I really, I really enjoy that part. I, I like shows that kind of don't want, don't treat the audiences as dumb. And this mm-hmm. show doesn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are different issues that I had with it. Yeah. Well, but but just on the premise, like I really love that. Um, and just just to like again, uh, not a spoiler. Like when when in the show very early on, it becomes uh, evident that you know machines or robots rather are are uh, treated very very humanely. And they're yeah. expected. They have a lot of human traits. However, uh, real people, they have like this code that they follow, or there's this protocol that they follow that they cannot break. 
from yeah. or do not break from rather so you know it's a it's a again a very unique take where where uh, the the human becomes more of a machine and the robot becomes way more human than an actual human does i um, I, i noticed that too and uh, especially we saw in the character of um, mona lisa paul uh, played by kani kusruti yeah, right. where where yeah. she would say like she introduced herself by saying that okay i'm going to break the ice now and then i'm going to begin <laughs> talking about the case like it was it was as if she was following a formula of how to be human whereas um yeah. the, the, to me um i mean i, I just want to jump right in about the stuff that i didn't enjoy really was sure. it was very funny i actually didn't enjoy the humans in this show i think <laughs> despite the fact that it's a great cast a great potential in this cast i feel mm. it was mostly wasted you know uh, what what we got in a way was that like the character building was very flat the characters sort of played like these exaggerated versions of themselves like i understand it was supposed to be humorous and funny but it was almost true, as true, if yeah. they were giving no depth to actually like explore and no depth to like develop you know um and it's and what what's funny is that actually it was the robots and across the board every android machine yeah who yeah. had a personality in this show was hilarious yeah. and i yeah. um i mean of course we we have to talk about ajib right ajib is like mm-hmm. the, the heart of the show um yeah he is another sort of um i mean uh, i i have read the hitchhiker's guide series multiple times so but so as mm-hmm. i was watching ajib i thought about uh, marvin the paranoid android and i thought about deep thought you know um the computer so uh, i'll just like uh, <laughs> uh men sort of tell ajib's background a little bit to those who haven't seen the show he was built by the humans to be the sort of messiah robot to be someone who's going to come to earth and solve all the problems and he's been given this consciousness you know that he can uh, he can understand all the issues and, and it's almost as if like you know obviously you can tell the show writers are scientific were very scientifically minded because they had the singularity in mind you know the the human ai singularity uh, yeah. but what's funny is that ajib is gets i think the burden of consciousness is so much that he can't take it and so how does he deal with it he becomes a stand up comedian which is just <laughs> i just i loved it so much it has so many levels on it like <laughs> just the fact that they chose like a stand up comedian as as a profession for him yeah. uh, it reminded me uh, so in 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 hitchhiker's guide it reminded, reminded me of deep thought as i mentioned where they, they build this machine it, to yeah. to tell them the answers to the life the universe and everything and it takes mm-hmm. seven and a half million years there's a big event and when everyone shows up the machine says 42 and that's it yeah. that's the answer and it's so i mean ajib is is definitely has some of those characteristics right yeah yeah and i i think you know this might not it's uh, actually i'm thinking of it right now as we speak i mean that might have been a it doesn't it doesn't do the show uh, it doesn't do itself any favors Uh, by incorporating this but but as you said like most of the human characters are flat mm. but the robots are the ones who have like the real like interesting uh, characteristics or in mm. the case of ajib a great back story yeah so yeah. um you know i mean it's not doing again uh, if that was the intent of the show then I, i think that didn't really work out because you do need a good sort of you need good characters even if they are they are very very robotic or meant to be robotic they still need to have a good uh, they can be, backstory they can be flat but i mean or, or let me correct myself they don't need to be flat uh, for for them to be um, robotic and i know that robotic. sounds correct yeah exactly. Inter- exactly. Like, like for example the, the 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 greatest robotic character of all time is the terminator and the terminator yeah. is you know by the fact that arnold schwarzenegger can't actually he <laughs> it, it is a there's complexity in that character you know even yeah. in that in, yeah. in the machine so uh, yeah. I, i more than flat what i felt about the human characters were is that they were in a box they were like okay the radhika apke character is going to be someone who loves machine so much that she is going to be like she, she asked i mean it, it's kind of a funny touch but she asked the consent of a machine before testing it you know <laughs> which is which is really cool it's like it's like a really like interesting added touch by the writers but then yeah. she is just that she's only the person who takes care of machines you know or who loves machines and then you know the comedic characters are only just that the character of yeah. of, of vijay varma he is like i i felt that his sort of hot head cop he's always angry it really got on my yeah. nerves i'm like dude just have another tone you know so stuff like that <laughs> was a bit I, annoying yeah i think they were very very single sided uh, characters you're right like 
even Jackie Shroff for like he's very very funny in this mm-hmm. but even he is like again not giving anything away just he's he's a crazy person so he's a crazy person throughout yeah yeah uh, so you're right you're right in the sense of like i don't think enough uh, they should have been given some sort of uh, variety to that to, to, to the characteristics of, of the human being as well but overall i think it was fine actually but let me just bring up my issue with it was mm-hmm. the humor wasn't consistent and i'll tell you what i mean yes. by that is that it it is slapstick in some parts it's very smartly done in some in some parts but it's also like it's downright slapstick yeah but it just, it just keeps confusing like i was i honestly like some of the lines some of the some of the way that it did like uh, for example there's this uh, one vijay varma's boss she she keeps when she gets angry she starts calling him uh, things like janu sweetie yeah, sona yeah. i was like yeah that's a, it's a great touch you know uh, and so that was like kind of smartly done the the fact that ajit became a stand up comedian and then he gets criticized for some of his jokes mm-hmm. uh, it's not it's not a central part of the story but mm-hmm. but it, that was also a nice touch because you know the way that stand up comedians are treated in this country so i thought mm-hmm. that those were like okay it's satire it's it's smart but then some of it is just downright slapstick yes and it doesn't it doesn't stay the same i mean there's no consistency in the humor at all mm-hmm. uh so I, i had a major issue with that as well that you know you don't need to have every sort of humor yeah. <laughs> to to kind of uh, sell the show i mean the story was good enough that, that's uh, that's it... exactly that's exactly how i feel like i think the the overarching premise of this and the the, the, the satirical premise is so funny already the idea that yeah. the, the 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 you know in the mid, middle of the mystery the, the main robot is trying to be a stand up comedian and then there's <laughs> you know uh there there the people who are of or i mean every uh, every time that the show uses very specifically indian perspectives in looking at ai is really funny you know like yeah. the yeah. uh jugyasi munch whatever they're called the, the, the jjm uh, who are who are led by jackie shroff you know yeah. they they're like their very indian take at being anti tech is hilarious you know but <laughs> but then again the, the characters are at the same time shouting over each other they are repeating these silly lines to each other so it's i almost felt pratik that you know that the show the, the the show makers wanted to ensure that people find this funny and they it's underestimated funny, yeah. in a way the humor so i mean uh i I'll, <laughs> here's what i wrote like see yeah. the show's obviously like really smart right and uh it's yeah. what i enjoyed is that they they knew that india is a very fertile ma- market for a series like this you know india is the world's mm. biggest population of the young and scientific and tech savvy people and actually it's kind of surprising that this like young tech uh, audience hasn't been given more shows like this in the past you know mm-hmm. yeah. be- be- because the masses can take it indians i can understand you know every there's millions of kids you know who who are who going to science and coaching centers who know these jokes about about quantum physics you know th- there's a joke that um, Uh, ajeeb says which i love so much where he's offered a chair and there's two chairs there and he says yahan baithu kahan baithu yahan par do kursiyan hain aur main binary mein vishwas nahi karta mera thoda quantum wala jasta hai which is just so so unique and so hilarious right so they have all of these one liners all of these jokes by the same time what you said is right like they the, the pacing and the consistency is totally different because even though they want to give they they are uh, respectful to the audience that they'll understand the premise they disrespectful yeah. to the audience that they'll understand the humor so it's almost as yeah. if the humor is not subtle at all yeah it reminds me it, you know what it reminds me of you know in the 90s where we had like where we had a few good films few and far between but even in those good films you would have a character like johnny lever who who is a great <laughs> comedian on his own but yeah. you would have johnny lever just to make everyone laugh even in a light movie like a movie that was overall light Mm-hmm. and a feel good kind of film you still have jolly leavers cracking jokes for like to make sure that the audience definitely laughs yeah yeah you know <laughs> it kind of, i mean there was no johnny lever character per se but the kind of humor that suddenly goes into was something like that it was like you know guaranteed laughs and i was like you don't need to do this <laughs> like it's, it was it, it actually felt anyway. it actually felt cringe worthy because yeah. i felt that okay at one point the show is challenging me to be smarter but at the other point the show is insulting me that like oh i hope you understand what's so funny if if you don't understand it here's a slapstick moment for you you know yeah so uh, exactly. 
so i mean i i do hope like that is something that you know if they are going to make a sequel to it the way it ended don't want to give more away but you know they, they could have a tangent to the story they could have something new mm. um mm. Or, or if someone else decides to make a story like this uh i i hope they keep that in mind that, that i i don't think the indian audience needs to be spoon fed you know the the humor no. in, in that way um yeah is there anything else that you particularly like to dislike uh, pratik about the show that that you want to talk about anything that like or or i should say like what has been like the main feeling that you left thinking about as you as you left the show as you finished the show so as i finished the show um very honestly like i would say like my recommendation is to definitely for people who want to watch something different on screen watch it mm-hmm. um i hope there's a sequel because uh, i wasn't satisfied with the ending yeah. uh, and not in a good way like you know mm-hmm. some some endings leave unsatisfied and it's that's the way to finish a show i think this this deserved a better ending uh i honestly like i am not a very big fan of like many episodes or or a series having too many episodes mm-hmm. i think this could have done with maybe one more episode mm-hmm. uh, i think i think the pacing as as you said not just in the humor but the pacing overall i think after the first three episodes kind of becomes weird uh where there are these massive jumps sometimes yeah. and just like you said that they don't they, they trust the audience to get it is like they they introduce this game and every indian well not every indian but people who use mobile phones and all they know what they're talking about they know the about the fortnites and the pubgs mm. uh that you know people people are used to these things uh and it's kind of a take on that again i just wish it had it had just uh, been a little more consistent but yeah i mean top notch uh, acting even though the characters were one dimensional but top notch acting overall uh, good writing uh, i would say definitely a fresh take uh, i i i think india can 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 use a few more shows like this not just about science fiction but but shows mm-hmm. that actually build their own worlds uh, don't explain it don't have like a crash course kind of ex- explanation on it or something like that i think i think it's it, i think it is fine like you know all its flaws i think it is a good watch uh, good fun and yeah yeah i feel that that for both of us i feel that we are sounding critical is because we love the premise so much mm-hmm. just the idea behind because i i mean i can speak for myself i felt there's so much potential here as as i'm watching this show uh, i i i kept thinking to myself yaar why did they do this that this show would be perfect if they cut you know 15% of this stuff and add a 15% of something else it it yeah. really had the promise of being something really special now i'm going to bring it back to douglas adams because i can guarantee to you that the showrunners read all the books and and maybe even watched the the, the hitchhiker's guide film that came out i think about 15 years ago uh, yeah. not many people love that film because again when the books are such uh, they, they, they're so when the books are so beloved it's hard to satisfy you but i i enjoyed yeah. the film quite a bit because it it had the the, the quirkiness of um, that i would i wanted from the book right um mm-hmm. but but what i mean is that it took a kind of a risk that hadn't been done in its way the book took that risk and then the movie took that risk and mm-hmm. okay computer is at least one step or at least i would say it's half a step towards a risky new premise if they can figure yeah. out the other edges if they can if they can cut down on the overacting because uh, mm-hmm. at some point it did feel like i'm watching an any indian comedy sitcom something on sony you know uh, in the way people were acting by the same time is really yeah. smart so yeah. if 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 they sharpen it a little bit it really had potential so i think uh, that's why i also felt unsatisfied by the end but part of my mm. unsatisfied uh, dissatisfaction i guess is because I, i i i really saw the the promise and the potential in this idea yeah yeah, yeah. i mean actually i i just just quickly just just to because you brought, brought Douglas Adams uh in the middle there i really thought they were going the hitchhiker's way well there'll be like a completely unexplained sort of plot twist hmm. which i would be fine with honestly yes, yeah. <laughs> in that world i would be fine with that like a hitchhiker type plot twist because uh again it's 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 fine like it's it's creativity right it's it's but if you're going to introduce logic into it then then you follow that logic <laughs> so i think that that was the that is the issue that i think both of us had uh where we again as i said in the first 10 15 minutes you see the potential where they're trying to explain the different this thing i think the very first line of the this thing is that uh, ye gaadi crash ho gayi hai self driving car aur ye uh, kuch bol nahi rahi something to the effect yeah. you know which immediately humanizes the robot and you're like what is going on here yeah, yeah. so yeah it is great yeah yeah so um, i mean it was fun to watch something different 
um I, i hope you guys check it out and uh, if you have any comments about the show do do share with us do let us know pratik thank you so much for joining me a big thank you to all the guests for joining us today and of course to all the listeners who have tuned in i hope you have enjoyed this episode please check us out on the chakkar.com and we are on facebook on instagram and twitter at the chakkar until next time chakkar ghumte raho <laughs>